Good morning, Oakwood. Hey, uh, grab your Bibles. Turn to James chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at verse 6 in just a, a moment. If you don't have your Bibles, you can get one of the pew, Bibles from the pew in front of you, or you can follow along in the sermon notes on the app. And if you haven't downloaded that, search Oakwood Enid in your uh, app store. You can download the app for Oakwood Christian Church. It has all of our notes and a lot of important things. If you want to Keep up with our events. You can give online. You can register for stuff online, connect cards. So uh, if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. We are in week two of this little mini-series, and today is the conclusion of it, Breaking Free. And I've titled this sermon, The Cure for the Eye Problem. Now, I grew up with a a guy in, in grade school, and he wasn't a very popular guy at all. Uh, he, he was a little bit odd. I, what we would probably call a nerd, okay? And this guy wore pretty big, thick glasses. And people were constantly making fun of him, calling him four eyes and stuff, and kind of picking on him. And this was the day bef- when kids were kind of mean to each other, okay? Now, they're not like that anymore. This was long before there was any anti-bullying campaigns or anti-bullying rules or anything. So he was picked on a lot, called four eyes because of his eyesight. Well, as a referee, I've heard plenty of comments about my eyesight, as you can imagine. I've, I've heard them all. I should have begun writing a book about this, but you know, come on, ref, are you blind? You know, I've actually thought maybe I ought to just walk out on the floor with a stick sometime, you know, and a pair of dark glasses and see what kind of response I'd get. Uh, Some of you may remember this old cartoon, Mr. Magoo, that had always had his eyes closed. I've heard people call Magoo, come on, Magoo. I've seen better eyes on a potato. (laughs) One of the best was... When I walked out on the floor with my crew and the band starts playing, listen to this, three blind mice, three blind mice, see how they, you know, I thought that was awesome. But I want to let you know I have a great optometrist, one of our, our, our church members here, uh, Dr. Scott Carlson, and he makes sure my eyes are in tip-top shape, okay? So you don't have to worry about my eyesight, but I've got to be honest with you, there's at times that I have an eye problem. Now, I'm not talking about this eye, I'm talking about me. So you see, we live in a society that has a huge eye problem. And our society and our generation today and our world, really the only person that matters is me. That's why we have an eye problem. James chapter 4, verse 6, as you found that, it says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Another version says he gives grace to the humble. So I want to ask you a question. How do we break free? Because that's what this series is about, breaking free. How do I break free from this problem? We're going to look at the cure for that. You see, the Bible tells us in that one verse there, the key to breaking free is humility. But the barrier to us breaking free is our pride. Now, there's two kinds of pride. There's the pride that you take in self-respect. You know that you want to 
look decent. You don't have some, you don't look like a bum. There's the pride that you have in someone else's accomplishment. There's the pride that you can have as a parent when your kids or your grandkids accomplish and do something. That's a good type of pride to have. In fact, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. So we have the good pride, but then there's also the bad pride. The bad pride is the pride that makes us arrogant, egotistical, conceited, puffed up. Look what I've done. Look at me. And to be honest, when we're egotistical, it it just really makes people around you sick. I grew up, um, and I thought about this as I'm writing this sermon the most egotistical person I could remember growing up was Muhammad Ali, okay? He was so boastful, so proud, so cocky, just all full of himself. He was riding on an airplane one day, and had his seatbelt un- unfastened, and stewardess came by and said, uh, Mr. Ali, you need to, to buckle your seatbelt. And he goes, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She looked him square in the eye and said, Superman don't need a airplane either. Buckle up. (laughs) How many of you either know someone or work with someone who has an ego problem? Let me see your hands. Only a few of you guys? Okay, now almost everyone. Um, How many of you now would say, that you have an ego problem. Let me see your hands go up. Just a very few. Okay? Most of us probably couldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm truly a humble person. You see, pride is easy to spot in someone else, but it's really hard to see it in ourselves. It's called the I problem. And the Bible says that pride causes all kinds of problems. You see, pride is the barrier from us breaking free. One of the problems it does is it prevents my growth. See, it keeps me from growing as a person, as a Christian, as an individual. I get stuck in this rut. And I think I've got it all together and I have no reason to change at all. I've been told when you're head starts swelling, your mind stops growing. We get all puffed up with ourselves. Now you may be thinking, you know, Alan, I, I don't have an ego problem. I'm not a prideful person. I don't even need this message today. If that's what you're thinking, you probably need this message more than you think you do. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12 says, Do you see a wise man in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. We all think we're pretty smart and wise in our our own mind. Denial is a type of a pride. Well, I don't feel that way. I'm not pride. I'm not proud. I'm not boastful. I'm not arrogant. It's called denial. You know, if I had any faults, you know, I'd, I'd be glad to work on them. But, you know, honestly, I just don't think I've got any faults. 
denial. You see, pride keeps us from asking for help, whether it's help in your marriage, whether it's help in your finances, whether it's help at work, whether it's help with a project, whether it's help with a, breaking a bad habit, whether it's help with parenting. And one way you can tell if you've got a pride problem is you ask yourself, am I teachable? Am I teachable? And people with a pride problem think they know it all and they can't learn anything. Well, I, I already know more than you do, so you can't teach me anything. Proverbs 10, verse 17 says, He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Second problem is that it poisons our relationships. Do you realize that pride is the root cause of most conflicts and disharmony, and especially in families? Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride only breeds quarrels. You see, when we act out with pride, we tend to be very demanding, very unsympathetic. It has to be my way. I want to watch what I want to watch. I want to eat where I want to eat. I want the temperature set where I want it set. Men, are we guilty of that? I want to do what I want to do. Me, myself, I. We're obnoxious, we're rude. Watch prideful people order at a restaurant. They're demanding, they're rude, they order the waitress around like they're a servant or a slave. Hey, I'm telling you what, friends, this day and age here, we're grateful to have people that will serve us and wait on us. Many of our restaurants are way understaffed. We don't need to treat them like that. A prideful person holds grudges. They keep score. They refuse to admit their mistakes, and they want to blame everyone else. It's not me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5. Listen to this strong language, okay? You hypocrites. Hmm. You know what a hypocrite is? A person who says they stand for one thing and do something else. A person who has one set of rules for you, but another set of rules for someone else. Does that sound like our government? Okay, let's go on. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, we're so quick to point out the small flaw in somebody else. Well, we've got this big, glaring flaw in our own life. But we don't see it. And it causes a lot of family disharmony and conflicts and fights and quarrels. Angry dad orders their son out of the house and pride prevents him from saying, Son, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Pride causes relationships to be damaged. But the key to reconciliation is that we have to swallow our pride. Third problem, it produces a lot of stress and anxiety. What do you mean? Well, we worry too much about what others think about us, our image, our appearance, 
The me generation is concerned with status, position, image. Parents, I want to tell you something. Sometimes as parents, we're more concerned about how our kids look and how they're dressed than how they behave. In fact, Tony Campolo, he said this. We need to ask ourselves, why do I want my kids to do this? Because, you know, sometimes kids are involved in something not because they want to do it, it's because we want them to do it. He says, do you know how many sports are ruined for kids because of omnipresent parents that are pushing their kids to gratify their own ego and needs? Have you ever watched one of these TV shows where these, I'm just going to call them crazy moms with a, a little glamour girl that she keeps enrolling in beauty contest after beauty contest and dresses them up like they're a 25-year-old? Is that for that little girl or is it for the mom? How many kids play a, a band instrument or play sports because not they wanted to do it because mom and dad wanted them to do it? Happiness is often a casualty of pride. Our happiness, because it, it causes a lot of stress. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, pride can cause depression. It covers up. You know, I may fool you how I really am, but, you know, I can't fool myself. Because I know what I'm really like. Jesus said, and the good news translates it this way, happy are the humble. I want to tell you something, friends. Humility is the mark of an emotionally healthy person. Somebody being humble. And let me tell you, that is a key not just to breaking free, but it's a key to happiness. So let's look at how to be humble and happy. We have to remember that the key to change or the key to breaking free is humility. But there's a problem. It's called pride. It blocks that. Have you ever heard someone pray? Well, hang on a second. I'm going to go back here. In order for us to be humble... We have to admit our mistakes honestly. We have to admit our mistakes honestly. We like to think that we're perfect, don't we? You know, I made a mistake one time. I really did. One mis I make a mistake every day, at least one. We have to admit our mistakes. The Living Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse 13, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. We have to be honest, first with ourselves about our, our mistakes, our weaknesses. You know, sometimes people pray, and you maybe have heard somebody pray, and Lord, forgive me if I've sinned today. Or, Lord, if I've sinned and didn't know it, I, I pray you forgive me. Do we really not know when we sin? 
I don't know about you, but I know when I sin. But Lord, forgive me if I have sinned. Like, I'm perfect, but just in case I, I did slip up today, Lord, would you forgive me? I asked uh, Mary McCune, one of our elders, one time, and he's one of the most godly men that, that I, I know. And I asked him, I said, Marion, is it possible to go an entire day without sin? He goes, I suppose it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. I don't know that I go a day without sin. Probably more than one sin. We have to admit our mistakes. Then we have to evaluate our strengths realistically. You see, we have to look at ourselves in in real eyes realistically. Pride is often based on a, a false evaluation of ourself, thinking that we can do something that maybe we can't. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You see, humility is true and realistic. Pride causes us to do something way beyond our capability. That's how people get hurt in the gym. You know, they grab a hold of too much weight. The next thing you know, they fall on them. True story, I was at CIY conference. This was years ago when I was a youth minister. And that was back in the day when I was exercising and working out all the time. And I went in the gym there, and there was only a few other people in there working out. And one was a lady, and I was doing some bench press, and she goes, you really need to have a spotter. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm good. And I started bench pressing, and I, and I put too much weight on there. And I struggled, and I pushed, and, it, and I couldn't get them off. And she walked over, and she goes, do you need some help? <laughs> do you know how humiliating that is? I wanted to say, no, no, I got it. I'm just resting here, you know, waiting for the next 50 reps. Um, yes, she helped pull those weights off of me. Pride causes us to think we're a big deal. When we're a big deal, get ready because you can fall pretty quick. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 said, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. See, he's talking right here about the good kind of pride. The good kind of pride that you're proud of someone else's accomplishments. You, you have some self-respect, some pride in your appearance. But then he has a warning against comparing ourselves to somebody else. Because I want to tell you, you're always going to find someone better than you are. You think you're a good athlete? There's someone better. You think you're a good preacher? There's someone better. There's always someone better than you. And pride gets in the way and makes us think that we're something that we're not. How many of you dads have maybe at one time used to be pretty fleet of foot and could race 
run pretty good and they decided you're going to challenge one of your kids the next thing you know they beat you pride causes us to do things that we can't do we're always going to have somebody better than us and that's a that's a tough pill to swallow with a nation that is built on competition and in comparing ourselves third thing enjoy your success gratefully first corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 in the living bible says what are you so puffed up about what do you have that god hasn't given you and if all you have is from god why do you act like you are so great as though you have accomplished something on your own I want you to remember two things, friends. You wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. So remember, everything you have comes from God. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. It's all a gift from God. So remember that. Second thing, remember your roots. Remember where you came from. You weren't always where you're at right now. Remember where you came from. Someone who gets puffed up with pride, it can hurt pretty bad when you fall. I don't know if you've kept up on the news this week, but there's been a little quarterback controversy at OU. A fellow by the name of Spencer Rattler, and he actually had a TV show made about him when he was in high school, called Netflix series called QB1. And you could kind of see that even when he was in high school, he thought he was pretty much arrived. He thought he was a pretty big deal. He found out there was somebody better than him, and that's a hard fall. It's a hard fall. If Spencer Rattler gets another chance playing a game or maybe because of an injury or Caleb Williams starts messing up or something, I bet you're going to see a different side of Spencer Rattler, somebody who's more humble, with less pride. We need to remember the lesson of the whale. It's only when you're at the top that you get harpooned, okay? Fourth thing is serve others unselfishly. This last year, a year and a half, America has been at a record level of depression. Part of that is because of the pandemic. We've been locked up. We've been unable to do things. And so people have been depressed. Where it has especially hit the hardest has been some of the young adults, ages 18 to 29. 21%, that's almost one out of every four young adults are battling and struggling with depression right now. But I think it's more a result of the I problem or the me generation when you only think about what's best for me, not anybody else. And people are losing hope in our nation. They're losing hope and belief, and some are even losing hope in God. 
There was a conference last week put on by Governor Stitt and the First Lady called Hope Rising. It was all about the science of hope and how it affects everything that we do, how we live, how we act, how the decisions we make. And I was attending that conference with Eric. I thought the answer to this, people need the hope, and the hope that we have to offer is Jesus. That's not a false hope. That's the hope that'll last. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. You see, humility is not thinking poorly of yourself, but rather it's thinking more of others. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but less about yourself. I tell people all the time, the fastest cure for depression, listen to this, if you struggle with any kind of discouragement or depression, is start serving. You find someone who's not nearly as well off as you are and you start serving and then you don't have to look very far in this day and age to find people to serve and when you begin to serve like jesus served you're going to be so overwhelmed with, with the joy that comes from serving that you're going to forget all about depression it's just not going to be there our model for humility was jesus He served unselfishly and in a very humble way. Can you imagine this? When you think about this, Jesus left heaven. Now, we've got a description of what heaven's like in the Bible, but it is even better than we can imagine. And he left all of that to come live as a human being in humility on this earth for us, not just to serve us, but to save us. That's humility. And then he, he suffered a cruel, horrible death on the cross, and he could have stopped it at any point in time. But he humbly stayed on the cross. Fifth thing here is, and finally, is humble myself voluntarily. You know, the Bible says a lot about humility and humbling ourselves. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want you to notice something. Humility is a choice. It means that you have to take action. The legendary basketball coach, John Wooten, who uh, coached at UCLA and won quite a few national championships, there have been many books that have written about him, but he gave a lot of, just not just basketball advice, but life experiences and, and life lessons. One of the things that he told his players was, humble yourself so somebody else doesn't have to do it for you. Humble yourself so someone else doesn't have to do it for you. I want to give you a little bit of a warning. 
You ask the Lord to humble you, guess what? He will, and he has a lot of resources and a lot more ability to humble you than you could even imagine. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Friends, I want to tell you something. You may be thinking, you know, I don't need God right now. I'm doing pretty good. Life is good. I don't need God right now. You will. You may think that right now, but there is coming a time when you are going to need God. And it's time for us to humble ourselves before a great and mighty, awesome God and to humble ourselves so He doesn't have to humble us. I imagine if you ask Spencer Rattler what he could do different, I imagine he would probably tell you I'd be a lot more humble. I'd be a lot more appreciative of what talents the Lord has given me, and I wouldn't take them for granted. You know, I've heard it say you can go from the, the penthouse to the outhouse that fast. Too many of us are in bondage right now, chained to the sin of pride because we belong to the move me, the me movement. It's just about me. Are you letting the sin of pride stand between you and God?